the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Rumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings and hola, amigos. I am Spud Goodman. Spud <laughs> <The> man. <laughs> Welcome, one and all, to a program some call not too shabby the Spud Goodman Show. We are dedicated to putting in just enough effort and focus to bring you a semi-satisfying listening experience. For the next 58 minutes, you will be sort of entertained. You know, you can count on it. Um, So I guess I should introduce you to my Aunt Dorothy, um, who uh, serves in the very important role as a designated laugher, uh, the essential component of any successful radio show. Uh, Give everyone a quick sample of your range, Aunt Dorothy. Maybe start with a chuckle, move on to a guffaw, and close with a belly laugh. Okay. (laughs) How was that? Mm, You know, it could use a little more low end. You you know how the kids (laughs) like their bass. All I wanted was a Pepsi, just one Pepsi, and she wouldn't give it to me. All right, I must also acknowledge our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Wave to everyone. Yeah, well, uh, I'll both wave and express how pumped I, I am for the show. Though, admittedly, really? I don't know who's on the show or fully what to expect, but I know it's going to be awesome. But may I ask you, Spud, who's on? You know, you could just share the show schedule with me, and I could read it myself. You know, as the show's already started, you really can't do much damage leaking information to the press and to our listeners. Because everyone knows I hate leakers. I despise them. Uh, They're bad people. But you really can't do too much damage at this point. So uh, here's an extra copy of the schedule. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, You know, this is the first time I've ever touched a schedule for the show. I I mean, I go over the discarded ones I find after the show each week. You know, I have a personal collection of old show schedules at home. I did not know that. Just for posterity. You you keep schedules after we're done, don't you? Hey, 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 you shut your face! Why would I keep an old piece of paper? When the show is over, it's over, and I have more, import, more important things to deal with. I move on. Oh, okay, okay. Just know that I have a meticulous record available if you ever want me to research old shows. Yeah, that's going to happen. Um, well, let's talk about tonight's show. Okay. This one is going to please just about everyone uh, as we're doing a Walking Dead theme show. This in our pants yet? Now, that's uh, a pretty freaking popular show. Uh, just about everyone still living, you know, watches it every week, except maybe for those who think they're too cool or something because it's so popular. But uh, anyway. Well, I sure watch it. Yeah. Well, good. Well, between you and I, uh, my wife Rachel is at my youngest Cub Scout pack meeting tonight, and so she's not listening. So, yeah, I can tell you, I've seen many episodes of The Walking Dead myself. Well, big deal. Just like I said, everyone 
Almost on Earth watches this show. Yeah, but I have to sometimes go to extraordinary measures to catch it. You know, we have this little six-inch black-and-white portable TV we take along with us when we go camping. Okay. So I go up into the attic, and I watch the show when I can. Tonight, a Kelly File exclusive. I, I spliced the cable line, and I ran it up there. Uh, sure, it would be more fun to see it in color, but it is what it is. Hey, you finally used that cliche. Yeah. That's going to cost you two bucks in the cliche jar, oh. but, I'm, but I'm proud of you. You know, it's about time you used a few phrases from this century. All that for jiggle jaggle is not beautiful. Okay, well, I'll, I'll drop the two bucks in the jar when we're done here, right, but I, I'm Make definitely sure a fan of The Walking Dead. Now, are you going to be interviewing any of the people that play the zombies? Because they're, they're just actors, right? <laughs> um, it's not a documentary, dude. No, I will be doing something better than just talking to extras. Oh. We have a few people involved with the show on, and you know it's got to help us with the ratings. I mean, that's that's my my hope at least. Well, from what I read, I don't think they need much help with the ratings. No, but. our ratings, man. Jeez. Oh, oh, hold it, because now I'm getting tea off of you. Well, Jesus, you, you got it. Do you understand me? I, I think I. Think you know, so. I, I've had more than a few nightmares after watching this show. I, I always wake up. Just before I get totally eaten alive. But but the, the first bite or two always feels so real. I usually wake up and mm. I won't lie, you know, I have wet myself a couple times. It's kind of embarrassing, but you know, since I'm mostly sleep alone, the only real drag is having to change the sheets in the middle of the night. Oh dear. Yeah, if I'm ever lucky enough to have a girlfriend, you know, staying over for the night on Sundays, uh, you know, I just never watch the show. I just don't. Good call, yo. You know, Spud. Our oldest, Gerald Jr., was an enuretic in his early teen years. Okay. It was just a phase, but it did seem like we were always doing laundry. He, he had the same thing happen to him after watching The Walking Dead, really? Yeah, oh, no. We, we are not allowed to watch that show in our house. That's why I have to go up to the attic to see it. <laughs> My wife feels it has satanic overtones, and it's not appropriate Look, may, for everyone. maybe not appropriate for little kids, but not a grown-ass man. I mean, grow a freaking pair. Well, anyway, hey, let me introduce our musical guest right now, okay? And I'll be speaking with them a little later on in the show. Here is Lust Punch. Yeah. 
and I am on Spud's show. Uh, Spud, your first guest, Chris Hardwick, is waiting to speak with you. You know, I'm surprised Chris found the time to do an interview, you know, with the schedule he keeps. The man has has to be holding down like a dozen jobs at the same time. He's a machine. It's not that easy. Well, maybe he made a mistake or something in calling into this show. Uh, We'd better get him on before he understands who he's talking to. Absolutely. You, You know, maybe one of the jobs he holds... For sure that every everyone's aware of this, you know he hosts the Talking Dead show that oh, yeah. that follows Walking Dead, on, you know on AMC. He sure he sure knows what shows to work on. I mean, you know that show is about as popular as the Beatles were. So I mean, he knows his stuff, right? I mean, he's a pro. Oh yeah. So I wonder if he's ever worked on something that flopped, though. I mean, probably not. You, I'll have to do some research. You know, that would be a topic you could share your insight on. Uh, I mean, how long have you been floundering in cable TV and and now radio? It's an amazing story, and, and maybe you could counsel Chris on how to avoid your fate. Shut up. I haven't done that bad, man. I mean, sh- well. sure, I'd like to be popular like Chris. I mean, it would be cool. Um, thanks, man. Jesus. Well, look, look, now now I can feel my depression overtaking me. Just, I really appreciate this. Just put him on. Sorry, here he is. Please give a hearty welcome to comedian, actor, producer, and host Chris Hardwick. Thanks for checking in with us. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Yeah. Well, 
Chris, you have a hit show, The Wall, now airing on NBC Tuesday nights at 8, 7 Central. I hope the ratings don't get too big as someone we all know might get a little jealous and start taking shots at you on Twitter. Just a heads up. <laughs> I swear to God, if that ever happened, we would build a whole week around that on At Midnight. Yeah. All right. Okay, <laughs> just be prepared and have like a return serve tweet ready to go. I'm just saying. So, all right. <laughs> So your co-executive producers are LeBron James and Maverick Carter. It's an interesting team. Did, do you guys ever get together and play a little horse or anything? No, but I, you know, someone suggested, someone said, oh, someone said, oh, would you, would you ever play horse against LeBron? And I, I go, I would do it if there were cameras and we could put it on the internet. So, oh yeah, I'd kill. You could see how comically destroyed I would be. So I, I, I'm going to put that on the table. As a matter of fact, I'm going to float that by them yeah. and see see how it lands. But I, I definitely think at some point we need to do that. All right. Well, you know, with, with the show, I'm guessing there are rules for contestants on the wall. Like who thought up, my question was who thought up, you know, the rules, what were they going to be? And you made them up. Someone wins and someone loses, right? I mean, that's the basics. Basically, yeah. I mean, it was a, the guy who created the show, the guy named Andrew Glassman, and he, you know, he designed this show after... Uh, Pachinko, which is an incredibly popular casino game in Japan. It's vertical pinball. It's pinball, but just on, on, on standing uh, per- perpendicular. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he created the show. He took the show to LeBron and Maverick, and they said, oh, this, you know, because they have an entertainment company, and they're producing stuff. And uh, they said, oh, this is, this is great. So they took it to NBC. NBC loved it. NBC came to me and mashed us all together. Oh, super. Well, America yeah, loves a winner. Really nice, by the way. Maverick and LeBron are... I mean, just like, you know, if they weren't nice, you'd be like, okay, I get it. <laughs> but they really are. Wow. I know his star show. I've, I've watched all the episodes. I mean, obviously, he's, he's got a knack for that, too, that for producing. That's, that's almost disgusting. The guy can't do anything, you know, badly. Anyway, all right. Yeah, I know. I mean, unless you're in a city that, who's, where he left a team, no one really has anything bad to say about him. Okay. All right. Well, no, you've hosted many shows yourself. But your face has become as recognizable as the Google logo when you started doing, you know, The Talking Dead. So why do you think this show has captured the attention of so many humans still surviving on Earth? Uh, well, because I think it just, you know, when you, when people watch a show, like I, you know, when I would watch shows that were really uh, intricate with character drama and, you know, like you didn't know what was going to happen, you you would call your friends afterwards, you'd talk to people, you'd talk to people at work, you'd go onto forums online and talk about it because you need to process it. And what we sort of accidentally found out was, you know, it, it kind of creates a, a hub for the community to come together. And even if they're not participating in the conversation, they're involved emotionally because it allows them to kind of get back into their lives, you know? Because if you watch a show that you're really super into and a lot of stuff happens and then you can't talk to anyone about it and you go to bed you can't fall asleep your brain is spinning in circles so right. it just, it just kind of allows people to sort of unwind and glide back into reality yeah super well you know on our show we're trying to figure out the coolest way to kill a zombie what would be your choice oh man there's so many good ways um i feel like you know maybe in like a like a rube goldberg mousetrap machine Ooh, mousetrap yeah yeah, so, you know, just a whole series of dominoes that set off a bunch of things that, oh, yeah. you know, kill a bunch of zombies along the way. Just fun, fun, creative ways. Those are the kind of things I would do in the apocalypse. Yeah, all right. You know, I, I, pretty much I've made my decision. I would be going with a stapler, but that's just, my, that's just me. But anyway. But how do you get that through the, 
It would be a long staple. staple. on the forehead, and then you, then you staple, you jam a seat. You mean really industrial staple. Correct. And I thought about that. Yeah, and I obviously have to stock up at Home Depot. But, you know, it's just a thought. I mean, that's kind nail of the way gun. I would go. Nail gun. That's what you need. You need a nail, nail gun. gun. Maybe a nail. Yeah, okay. I just wrote that down. Super. Good. All right. Well, you're, you are the CEO of Nerdist Industries. How cool is being a CEO? I would not buy, mind myself being a CEO, but you can't call in sick much, right? Can you? That, that would be the downside. <laughs> Well, you can't. Well, you don't necessarily call in sick. You're always sort of on call, but then you kind of set your own hours at the same time. Oh, so I like that. Uh, it has its ups and its downs. I mean, you're ultimately the downside is you're responsible. The upside and downside is that you're responsible for everything. Well, that's not. Yeah, I would not like responsibility. So that's that's on the negative. Yeah, I'll have okay, to think about this further. All don't right. do it. Don't do it. All or right. You could just do it. Just say you're the CEO of something, and maybe people will just start giving you things. Hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go with that. Think about that. All right. Well, Chris, you have legit nerd street cred. You were a chess champion in junior high. You know, you would have been the kid who scared the crap out of me at, at that age because you could take tests with your eyes closed. Were you so smart kids thought you had superpowers in school? Um, I don't know. It, it was not a cool thing when I was growing up, so I don't think they thought I had superpowers. Uh, if they did, they sure hit it well. Um uh, yeah, no, they were, uh, back in those days, in those days, before social media, before the internet, where you could connect with other people anywhere in the world, wow, there were yeah, really I like think three I or four days. of us in school that were, we just tried to avoid all the other kids, because there was a lot of harassment. But you were a champion, correct? I want to get this off for the record. Nope, that's true. That's all right, true. there we have it. All right, we got that down. Excuse me, Spud. But I, I can't help but feel somewhat slighted here. Uh, Chris, you... I'll, I'll be right back. Oh, no worries. Really? I, I thought I was going to get through this thing without you butting in and offering your two cents. I think he likes me kind of, sort of. Yeah, well, the, the rule now is I'm allowed to speak up, just not directly yeah. with the guest. But well, uh, hopefully that will change, too. But what I'm saying here is I have told you on more than one occasion I won a yo-yo contest in the seventh grade at my what school. What do you do? Well, it was a pretty big deal. I also gained... A lot of street cred when I won. Uh, people were really impressed, even the teachers. You can't compare winning a chess championship, which takes brains, to, you know, being halfway decent with a yo-yo. Well. That's apples and oranges, or is it oranges and apples? Well, the bottom line is, they're not comparable. Uh, for all we know, everyone else in the yo-yo contest was terrible. Oh, no. There were some tough competitors, and I had to nail my ultimate sleeper move to come out from behind and win the championship. I just find it interesting that you have never once asked me to discuss this on the air. Yo-yos are still a big deal to some people. Yeah, and like 1978, maybe. No, no. I gotta return to Chris's. He's probably late for one of his many jobs. Hey, I'm back. Uh, my apologies. Um, all right, well, I'm going to close with this. Um, I'm going to ask you what your most memorable moment was in playing Jerry Goldsmith in Rob Zombie's House of 1,000 Corpses. Anything come to mind? Um, I mean, the Dr. Satan moment, screaming Dr. Satan, yes. which people still ask me to do from time to time. Yes. But it, I think it was really being uh, pinned to the operating table and having being dissected by, by Dr. Satan. That was probably... Jerry Goldsmith's defining moment. Huh, all right. There we have it. All right, well, I'm going to let you go. So I want to remind everyone that your new hit NBC show, The Wall, airs each Tuesday at 8, 7 Central. Thanks a bunch for coming on our show, man. Thanks for having me. That's right. There you have it, Mr. Chris Hardwick.
Spud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment. Hi, I'm Dahlia. And Lucian. And we're Pigs Now. Pigs Now. And we are on. And we are on. This is Dahlia and Lucian. And we are Pigs Now. We are, and we are Pigs Now. We are playing at the Spud Goodman Show. Thank you, Mr. Goodman. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. You know, Spud, have you ever given much thought to what it would be like to actually be with Rick and Daryl and Eugene and the rest? They have to live such a hard life, you know? Any. Many. Miney. Mo. Yeah, I, I told you, I dream about this show all the time, and it always ends bad. Mm. B- but their life isn't totally horrible, as they always seem to eat pretty well, you know, with some tasty canned foods. And, and except for, you know, Daryl, they, they have clean clothes, mostly, and, and a roof over their heads. Yeah. And if all the sick and evil guys would just leave them alone, they would be fine. The, the problem is, there's always some scary dude, like now Negan and his posse bothering them. You see, that's the downside of still being alive after a zombie apocalypse, the rule of law is not always recognized by everyone, you know, that survived. We all go a little mad sometimes. Well, I I know I would sure carry a big gun around myself. Really? I I thought you were a pacifist who didn't believe in shooting, you know, anyone. No, Spud, how many times do I have to tell you being a Mormon is not the same thing as being a Quaker or a member of the Amish community? I get them. We're separate groups. There's nothing in common at all. Mormons have no issues with firearms. Okay, so so you're the ones without the sort of beards, right? Well, but but you guys did eat each other on that wagon train trip a long time ago. That's so hot. I know that for a fact. We don't talk about it, yeah. Do you have guns at home? I, I don't think I've ever asked you that before. I would prefer not to discuss that on the air. Let's just say I'm more than prepared should a real zombie outbreak ever occur. They are not our friend. Well, look at you. Hmm. Talking dirty-esque, you know. Hey, yeah. Harry smack to uh, the zombies. Very badass, man. (laughs) Thank you. Well, you you know, my wife is the real marksman in our family. She's been an NRA member since her teen years. I won't reveal how many firearms she has and is proficient with, but let's just say she is more than ready. How does that resonate for you in the bedroom? Yeah, you know, if I was a zombie, I sure wouldn't, like, mess with your wife. I'm telling you that for a fact. I mean, no way I would mess with her. You know, she is a very strong woman. I know if something like this ever did happen, Rachel would be the first to jump in, just like Rick did in the first season. Let them know we're on our trail, doing everything we can, but most of all, keep everybody calm. You know, people gravitate to her when times are difficult. She's a natural leader, just like he is. Yeah, I think that show has proven women can be as tough or probably more so than guys. I mean, Carol is a killing machine. She should have her own show and just knock off zombies for an hour. You know, she reminds me of my wife a lot. Uh, Sure, well, it's a different hair color and a slightly different build and... Well, maybe Rachel's a little bit taller. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and she seems to have. Okay, a I whole get different... it. I get it. Your wife and Carol can kick butt, yeah. though they're not totally identical in all physical characteristics. Okay. Well, as a mother, I would think that you would not want 
to be drunk at the putt-putt. Yeah, yes, that is what I'm saying, Spud. Okay, all right, let's move on and see if our next guest, uh, Dr. Eugene, well, his real name is Josh McDermott, is ready to go. Oh, really? He's actually going to be on our show? Okay, let me check and see. And uh, the, the board is telling me, yes, uh, Josh McDermott is ready to go, Spud. All right, very cool. He might now have the most recognizable head of hair in the world playing Eugene on The Walking Dead. Alive! Not a scientist. You know, watching that show on my little six-inch portable black-and-white TV set, it's hard to really appreciate Josh's haircut. Oh, trust me, it is a state-of-the-art mullet. Yeah, I'll be honest. His character, Eugene, is the one I most relate to. He's very underestimated by his peers. They often ridicule him for being hey, a don't, little don't, bit... don't go comparing yourself to Eugene, man. I mean, well... that's going to wreck the show for me. Now, every time I see Josh's face on the screen, I'll be thinking of you. And that's a major, major downer. Really? Basically, it will ruin my viewing experience. So please, please, rescind that statement so I can erase it from my mental hard drive. Uh, okay, I take it back. For, forget that I said that about Eugene and me. I'm trying. I'm going to tr- just believe me. Just, just put Josh through. Yeah, here he is. Please say hey to actor and comedian Josh McDermott. Hey, we appreciate you coming on our show. Hey. Yeah. All right. So The Walking Dead is reappearing again after a brief hiatus, as always, uh, airing on AMC on Sunday nights at 9, 8 central. Yeah, I'm really excited about this second half of uh, season seven. Like, the first half that aired in the fall was so dark, and, you know, tonally we're seeing a shift here coming up in these next eight episodes, you know. Super. This is uh, Rick and his group trying to uh, rise from the ashes, I guess, like the Phoenix. Like, it's uh, oh. it's exciting to see them. You know, this is a group that, that is used to winning, and all of a sudden they meet this guy, Negan, and they start losing. And oh. so it's, it's nice to see them kind of, you know, hunker down and, and formulate a plan and kind of try and move forward. All right. Well, the first thing I should say is congratulations for Eugene still being alive and on the show. Were there any close calls at table reads where you <laughs> thought you just maybe might be the next one to get snacked on by a mob of zombies? <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Um, basically, every time I read a script, man, whether whether I have an inkling of, of Eugene and his uh, survival or not, like it's, I just feel like they're going to accidentally not tell me. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even think... I honestly, you know, because they, they kind of tell, they tell you, obviously, and then they tell others afterwards, but I don't even think they told me about, and this is a spoiler, but uh, Glenn and Abraham. And so, because I, I, I think they just got busy and they forgot, so I'm like waiting for the day that they forget to tell me that I'm dying, and then it'll just be like, oh, I guess that was kind of par for the course. Well, uh, first of all, that, that spoiler will be off the record. It will go no further. But yeah, that's interesting. Well, you know, I kicked around with, with Chris Hardwick earlier what his favorite way to kill a zombie would be. I have my own ideas. You know, but it seems Eugene uh, is a conscientious objector, a pacifist. But, but he's evolved a bit, right? And I just spoke in the third person for you. So, you know, it's acting talk. So you won't, you won't get dinged <laughs> for that. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, he's... Um I wouldn't call him a conscientious, a conscientious objector as much as um, I, I think he wants to contribute. He just doesn't think that he can. He's scared. Um, you know, where I think a true pacifist probably just you know doesn't believe in the violence and that sort of thing. Where Eugene is very, uh, very aware that uh, you know killing is uh, kind of the new norm. 
he just doesn't think that he's going to do a good job at it. And um, if he were to step up and try to do that, he would probably be the one getting killed. And I think that's kind of where he where he sits. But yeah, he, his confidence has grown over uh, the last couple seasons, which is exciting. We get to see that. Um, you know, we'll see more of that. I think uh, we're, it's going to be put to the test now that he's been kidnapped by Negan. Right. And um, we'll definitely we'll definitely see that. And uh, I mean, I'll just say this: it's not good. Oh. Well, that's a good situation that he's in. That gets our minds rolling. Uh, well, let, let's get down to the question most everyone wants to hear about, the hair, the mullet of Dr. Eugene. Was that something you personally created, or did it originate after months of focus group discussions conducted by AMC Suits? <laughs> it's, it's a state-of-the-art mullet. It's a state-of-the-art. It's, it's real, man, and it's spectacular. I um, No, it was, uh, Eugene is based, you know, this show is based on a comic book created by Robert Kirkman, Mm-hmm. And uh, Eugene is, in, is one of the characters in the comics, and he has the mullet there. And um, yeah, I think when I auditioned for the role, they, you know, because they try and throw people off so that nobody really knows what's going on. I think initially they were, they said he was going to have a mohawk. And I got a little scared about that because I, I don't look good with a shaved head at all. So I was like, oh man, I don't want to have a mohawk. And uh, thankfully, and this is so weird to say it. Thankfully, it was only a mullet. So um, you, so you suffer for your art. You carry that mullet with you everywhere you go. It's real. I wear it proud, man. I, at first, I was a little like hesitant, like, "Oh, a mullet? This is not going to look good on me." And then I've embraced it, man. It's it's one of those things that I feel like uh, it, it's becoming a cultural icon. Yeah, definitely, definitely. How's it working it's like with? Fonzie's, it's like Fonzie's leather jacket. Yeah. Well, how's it working on the social with the social life? I'm just curious. Uh, it's getting better, man. It's getting better. I, I I have a lot of hats that I just put on, and then that's fine. Then it just looks like I have long hair. Okay. When I take that hat off, man, people are like, "What is going on with that hair?" Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of a wonder, really. But all right, well, you shoot in the south, somewhere in Georgia, correct? So, do the extras playing the zombies complain much with the heat and humidity and all the makeup? It sort of constitutes cruel and unusual work conditions for them. Yeah, a, a little bit. Don't tell don't tell SAG and after us. Okay, I won't. I'll be off the We don't need the union coming after us. Right. Labor laws. If I could, Spud. Um. Hey, hey, just a moment, Josh. I'll, I'll return in a sec. The topic of working conditions is something I've been waiting to bring up with you since, and since you just mentioned it with Josh here, what? maybe it would be a good time to discuss what I and your Aunt Dorothy feel are often unfair labor practices here on the show. Perfect. Oh, now you think you're Norma Ray? Just no. because I don't cater to your every whim on this show? Listen, Mr. Snowflake, you need to toughen up a bit. Accept the fact that this is not your show. It's the Spud Goodman show. Be happy you have a tiny, tiny little role on it. Well... I don't think it would look good on, say, Facebook if there was a story circulated about you being mean to your co-workers. You know, being a bully is no longer acceptable behavior in our country, Spud. Really? But you voted for the bully-in-chief. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing his wife is working on eradicating that kind of behavior, at least on social media. Well, yes, our First Lady's efforts are greatly appreciated, as so many are beyond rude in cyberspace. But what I'm saying is, you may soon be hearing from the National Labor Relations Board if things don't change. Just a heads up, as you like to say. Ooh, I'm so scared. And don't try to drag my aunt into this, okay? Let me get back to Josh. All right, I have returned, and now getting back to those extras complaining like little babies? No, they, um... Honestly, I don't know if they're complaining because they have a lot of makeup covering their mouth, and I just can't hear them. Oh, um, all right. 
They, uh, it's funny. People say, you know, there's like rumors out there that that the zombies are instructed not to talk to us, and and like this, there's this separation thing. But honestly, it's, they don't want them talking to us because it messes up the makeup. And uh, you know, next thing you know, you got some guy's jaw falling off because he wanted to say hello, good morning, how are you? That's really what it comes down to. And so. It, yeah, it is a bit of a, a cruel and unusual uh, punishment, I guess, if, if you want to put it that way. But you know, we're going through the same thing. I mean, we're we're out there in the in the heat as well, and wow, it's pretty. It's a little gross, but uh, it's you know, the alternative is not being on The Walking Dead, I guess. Right. Well, you know, I think Christian Bale would like working with uh, with those extras. But anyway, well, let me ask you this: you, you're <laughs> you're one of the actors in the cast who is not from the UK. We'll be speaking with David Morrissey a little later, who was on previous seasons, and there are others. Uh, I hope those guys don't fly home during filming, because who knows if they can get back here in this country now? That, you know, but um, when the, when the cameras are off, does to say Andrew Lincoln or Lauren Cohen uh, revert to their accent, or do they stay in character? Uh, it, it depends. Like uh, Andrew Lincoln just stays in his Rick uh, dialect all the time because I mean he says that if he if he goes back and forth he just wouldn't be able to um, like you'd hear it you know and sometimes you can hear that with the British actor you can hear the British come out right um, and so he just he never wants that to happen. Lauren, um, she grew up in New Jersey for part of her childhood and then moved to the UK. I don't know what, at what age, but lived in the UK for a large portion of her life. And she's kind of able to go back and forth between both accents because she grew up doing that, you know? Huh. And so she'll do that. I think Tom Payne, who plays Jesus, he's British too. He, uh, he goes back and forth between accents. It's just, you know, it's a preferential thing. But, you know, the thing that the rest of us do, the Americans, is, um, you know, we try and do a British accent when we're not filming as well, just to make them feel welcome. That's very special. I, I like that. All right, well, let me close with this. Josh McDermott, what has been your most memorable moment on The Walking Dead? Most memorable moment, probably, well, one of two things. One, my favorite scene to shoot was when Michael Cudlitz died. Oh, um, that was sad. Because yes. that guy had to go. But, um... My second favorite scene was um, was probably the, and this is a major spoiler from season five. If you're not caught up by now, I'm sorry. But um, when Eugene, we found out that he didn't have the, the cure. Because I knew that from the moment I took the job. But um, not everybody knew that on the show. And that was such a fun scene to shoot. And it just kind of rocked the boat a little bit. Because I think people were thinking, at least within the show, that that it was headed in a different direction. So it kind of jarred everyone for a second. And that was really cool to be a part of that. All but, right. Uh, definitely favorite scene, Michael Cudlitz's death, because, man, again, that guy had to go. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. All right. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing all this uh, inside information. It's very cool. Well, I want to remind everyone that Walking Dead, of course, is now airing again on AMC each Sunday night at 9, 8 Central. We want to thank you so much for spending some quality time with us. Thanks for having me, bud. All right, Mr. Josh McDermott. For a genuine musical treat, tune in to the Spud Goodman Show, radio's famous program that takes you on a magic carpet of melody to a world of beauty. Okay, it's musical guest interview time. Say hello to our musical guest, Lust Punch. All right, guys, please out yourselves in the instrument you will be playing so people know who the heck they're listening to. Hi, my name is Nick Knight, and I play the guitar, and I sing lead vocals. All right, Nick. My name is Michael Bell. I play bass guitar, and I do backing vocals. All right, Michael. What's up, guys? My name's Taylor Lutzenheiser, and I'm over here on the drum kit. Okay, Taylor. All right, so what is 
the Lust Punch mission statement. Rock hard. That is for the record. <laughs> that right. is, that is Short and sweet. I like okay. it. So we are discussing the TV show, The Walking Dead. So may I ask you guys, what is more frightening to you, zombies or Vladimir Putin as our commander-in-chief? Um, oh, man, that's a hard gotta one. Be Putin. You got time. Think about it. I'm, I'm going to go with the zombies. Yeah, oh, I'm, I've yeah. seen that show. <laughs> I'm with you on that one, man. That, 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 that stuff sucks. It's pretty man. gruesome. Yeah. All right. Putin's one man. Um, I'm thinking we'd take him. Okay. <laughs> um, so what's the band's favorite condiment? Mustard all day. I was just gonna say mustard, mustard, dude. dude. I'm different, man. I'm, I'm, I'm. I mean, is ranch a condiment? Like, uh, all right. So I Taylor's mean, out of the band, and we need another drummer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's ranch more, on everything. Yes, it's more, it is. That's more, that's more dressing. All right, man. All right. Uh, <laughs> Thousand Island? No, no. Is that oh, the pink stuff? You're kind of yeah. stuck on the dressing. Yeah. 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 That the, that's the pink stuff. That's it? the Big Mac sauce, special sauce. Fine, Dijon mustard. Okay, there it is. Buckled. We'll wrestle. All right. I myself am partial to NyQuil, um, just on certain <laughs> foods, of course, and it gives a, new, a medicinal quality, I mean, very timely in the winter months. Just, you know, when I think about it. But all right, so I got it. What's the name of the last song or the next song? Excuse me, because you're gonna do one a little later. What's What's the name of the next song? And is there a story behind it? That's what I want to know. I want to dig deep. Is there a person's name or something that you can share publicly that the song is about, or would that cause legal difficulties? Uh, tons of legal difficulties uh, for that person. No, this next one's called uh, Dead Fish. And it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with anybody, you know, dirt or anything we can deal with? Uh, may, I, don't, I don't know. I guess we'll see in the future. It's about nuclear bombs. Okay, all right, fine. Let's do it.
Todd Goodman Radio Show. Yo, this is Antonio Fargas. You might remember me, Huggy Bear. And I'm so pleased to be with you on the Spud, and I don't mean potato or chips, Goodman Show. Uh, Spud, your last guest, David Morrissey, is holding for you. Okay, man, the character he played on The Walking Dead, the governor, uh, a couple seasons ago, was really creepy. I mean, I'm not afraid to interview him, but he kind of scared me when he was on the show. Sure. Uh, Though that guy Negan, you know, now makes the governor seem like Mr. Rogers. Just remember, it is only a TV show. That's what I keep telling myself when it gets really intense. I mean, yeah, okay, fine, that's another buzzkill, man. Well, if I want a dose of reality when I'm watching The Walking Dead, I'll, I'll flip it to C-SPAN and watch some congressional committee argue about Robert's Rules of Order. Smokey, this is not NOM, this is bowling, there are rules. I was just trying to bring you some comfort before you speak with Mr. Morrissey. I will let you know when I am in need of you comforting me, okay? Anyway, right. you know, David has a, has a new show on Stars, uh, the second season of The Missing. It was really big in the UK. I sure wish we had Stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the world feels your pain. Just, just put him through, please. Here he is. Please give a warm welcome to actor, director, and screenwriter David Morrissey. How you doing? I'm well. How are you, Spud? Excellent, excellent. So, David, do you have a new series now out on Stars: The Missing, airing on Sunday nights in the U.S. and also will be available for a binge experience as all eight episodes will be up for viewing, which I always dig myself. I watch until I can watch no more. That's my motto. Yeah, and also with this show, you really want to because it's a thriller, you know, and at the end of every episode, it's an eight-part series, at the end of every episode... The questions that you're left with and the unsolved nature of the show just makes you want to keep watching. When it was screened in the UK, it was uh, over eight weeks. And each between each uh, episode that week, I would be walking around London and people would just stop me and they would give me their theories. They would ask me questions. It really is the show that sort of brings up a lot of that uh, passion and, and uh, you just want to know what happened next. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will just go for the whole binge watch like you will. Excellent. So this, the second season of The Missing, is a new storyline from last year's episodes, correct? It is. It's a standalone series. They both were. So the only common denominator is a a detective called Julian Baptiste, a French detective who specializes in child abduction. And he uh, comes to investigate something that's happened in this story. I play a, a soldier, a British soldier who's stationed in Germany. And uh, my wife and I have two children, a girl and a boy. But 11 years ago, before our story started, my daughter was abducted. Oh. But this story starts with her coming back. A girl walks back into our life and she's our daughter. She's been away and we slowly find out what's happened to her. We don't find out who's taken her. We want to know that. We know it's someone in the community has taken her. Uh, and it brings up so much between my wife and I. Oh. And I, as a soldier, you know, I've seen terrible things. I've been in war zones, but I can't really cope with the loss of my daughter. And right. We- well, let me say this. I know you are modest, so I will say you have won a bunch of acting awards over the years. I mean, you hail from Britain where bragging is not considered cool, so I'm going to have to do it for you. So you- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I uh, Yeah, I guess so. I mean... The thing for me, I don't know whether it's a British thing, but it's just I, I really love the work I do, and I'm not really great outside of the work. I even find 
this type of things, but the sort of promotional side, quite difficult. I find it really, uh, it just, it's a very different thing talking about oneself without being in character. So you're right, it's not my favorite thing to uh, talk about anything outside of the show. I'm really very much happier with my costume on. <laughs> right. Well, you know, uh, I should also say this. On the topic of bragging, I guess I should extend my apologies about our current president. We are very sorry. All right, moving on. Um, Yes. Spot, must you continually take shots at our current commander-in-chief? He is hashtag still our president. Show some respect for the man. Uh, hey, David, just a moment. Well, I do respect the office, but I show as much respect for him as he does for those who do not worship his royal Trumpness. He'd make a much better king, like from some third world country, because you know real soon his people are going to be slapping huge posters of his face on every street corner. Mark my words. Hashtag not my president. Yeah, well, someday soon, you're going to look back on your rash judgment of this great man, hashtag making America great again, and will have to make a public apology to your listeners, and it will be a very painful experience for you, as we all know how you have such difficulty apologizing for your missteps. Well, hashtag Mother Russia, when he apologizes oh. for running for president, I will make a full on-air apology. That's fair. Now let me finish this interview with David. Okay, I had a brief distraction, David, but I'm back. You're known to be a very intense and well-prepared actor when you take on a role, something we were just you know, touching on. During a shoot, do you take him, the character, home with you, or do you leave him at work when you're done for the day? Uh, it depends. On this, I did, yeah. On the missing, I did. I'm a father myself. Uh, so it threw up a lot of things for me, uh, just emotionally. And... Yes, I did carry it with me. It was it was not an it was not an easy time for my loved ones either, just because of the fact that you are in such a a, a miserable place. Sometimes you know you you, you do, and, and and it's not just that. It's it's sort of you know you work long hours and you're you've been through a lot of emotion. In this again, there's two there's two story time frames: one in 2014 and one in 20 in modern. Uh, you know, uh, present day. Right. And in the present day, my character is terribly scarred. He is, uh, he has a burn right across his back and across his face. Yeah, I noticed and that. We don't know how that's happened. So just uh, that's quite an exhausting process to go through as well. So, yes, I did take it home with me. I did take it, uh, it was, um, it was no holiday. All right. All right. Well, let's step into the Wayback Machine for a sec. In 2012, um, I have to ask this, you became a cast member of The Walking Dead, something we on this show all are really into. Uh, were you prepared for the instant recognition on the streets of America after the first couple episodes there? I mean, even without the eye patch, going to the grocery store must have been a pain in the butt. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for it at all. No, I mean, I think uh, the show is a phenomenon. It's uh, not just in the U.S., I mean, around the world. I mean... I was recently filming in the Czech Republic in Prague and, you know, again, just walking around the streets there, the excitement of people seeing the governor was uh, yeah. was amazing. So, you know, it is a world phenomenon and, and I don't think I was prepared for that. I'd, I'd, done, the, I'd done Doctor Who uh, beforehand and that right. is a very similar like uh, fan base. You know, there's a real passionate fan base for that. Almost a religion. Different. Governor is very playing someone who's that evil. Also has a has a uh, an aspect to it when you're walking down the street. Yeah. When you you know uh, 
I, I also happen to be the person who killed quite a lot of the favorite characters of the show. So you, you know, did has a, a, a free song whenever I go out, you know. Well, I can just say fans take it very seriously, as you are well aware of, obviously. So let me ask you this. Be honest. Do you ever now have nightmares uh, where zombies are pecking at you? Because I've had a quite, a, quite a few with you actually starring in them. Really? Yeah. I did when I was doing the show. During the show, uh, you know, I would go home and definitely have uh, nightmares of being pursued and, and slightly sort of gruesome uh, nightmares. But less so now. The more distance between me and the show the less those things occur. But yeah, you do. I mean, you do when you're spending the day, you know, both with something like The Missing or, or The Walking Dead, where you're in very intense situations for 16, 17 hours of the day. And it would be strange if you didn't have some sort of residue thing going around in your brain when you're, when you're asleep. Really? That's, that's, yeah. Well, let me close with my stock question. David Morrissey, what has been your most memorable moment, uh, in your case as an actor? Well, I recently did a show in the West End. I did a show called Hangman, which was um, written by Martin McDonough, who wrote uh, In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. And uh, the press night of that was, uh, it was one of the great moments of my life because it was such a wonderful show. But as I stepped forward at the end of the show, the audience just all stood up in one. And that was just such a great feeling to be in a, in the theater, having done a play that I loved and admired the writer so much, to have that uh, feedback, immediate feedback from a whole collective audience was, was pretty special. And, and I think lots of actors talk about that moment in their life when in the theater, when you connect with an audience in that way. Heck yeah. As a talk show host, I would kill for a standing ovation, even from, with like, like the people over on the soundboard right now. All right, well, tell you what, you, you got stuff happening. So uh, I'm going to say again, The Missing is now airing on Stars on Sunday nights and available on demand. Thanks a bunch for coming on our show. Thank you very much. Hope to see you one day. Bye. Mr. David Morrissey. Every second you lose, you lose. Hey, I don't want to be a narc here, but Gerald, you know, you're not supposed to be using your phone. Are you texting? Oh, well, uh, well, you know, my wife just texted me because it turns out she was listening to you're her, the show. You're not supposed to have your phone out. You know I, I know I'm not, but she was on the way home from the Cub Scouts meeting. She had her earbuds on, so our, our youngest couldn't listen. But it, it, the exciting thing is she said I could start watching The Walking Dead with her. Yes! Uh, she especially enjoyed Eugene, or, or I guess Josh, I guess. But anyway, her friends at church are always talking about the show with her on Mondays. And so I guess she feels maybe we can see it without any demonic or satanic influence. I don't think zombies are connected to the devil. Uh, they're just unlucky people who were in the wrong place at the wrong time and got infected by other zombies. Yeah, that's what I think too. But Rachel, and uh, hi, honey, if you're still listening, is rather concerned about the power and reach of the devil. His powers are not to be underestimated, Spud. Uh, yeah, I've seen The Exorcist a few times. Mm -hmm. Truly scary, but that's a different deal. Zombies could not be under the spell of Satan. It would be legally impossible. That would be like double jeopardy. Hell will freeze over. But Satan does not follow the rules or respect the practices of a civilized society. He does whatever he pleases. If he wants to have influence over zombies, then he will. Look, 
Can we keep religion out of this discussion? That's another buzzkill, man. I, I agree. I'm just saying that successfully killing a zombie might be more challenging than you think. I, I know you mentioned to Chris Hardwick and, and, and Josh on the best way to exterminate one, but it might take more than just a stapler, Spud, or a well, nail just, gun. You, first, you, you're going to need spot. an AK, what, 47 or 57 or 67 or 111. What? Anyway, just ask your the wife. One, the one that's possessed by the devil himself. Well, then are you talking about like a wooden steak or garlic? No, no, certainly not. Everyone knows a wooden steak is needed to kill vampires, not zombies. And garlic will well, maybe, well, maybe keep them away, sort of like bug spray, I guess. And it only makes common sense. But you know, if you really think about it, when you, if you watch a lot of TV and go to the movies a lot, like like I do, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that could possibly get you. Uh, I'm starting to think about making a safe room, in, or me like really a safe closet in my apartment. Oh, we've had one of those for years. I don't think I'm breaching security really? here, but I did not know that. Listen, we have well rehearsed procedures as a family on how we will deal with such a situation if it arises. Courtney, Chloe. Well, that's good to know. We know where I can go if this type of thing ever did break out. Uh, me too? Well, sorry, both of you, but that doesn't really fit in with our plan. You oh. see, the first thing one must think of is not exposing your loved ones to outside threats from strangers. I'm going to beat the holy hell out of one of you. Strangers? I'm the freaking host of this show. You work with me. Well, Are know. you telling me you would not allow me to stay with you and your family in your safe room if the zombie apocalypse did happen? I, I've been to dinner at your place yes. a few times. I, I know, I know, Spud, but Rachel's plan calls for total isolation in the first 72 hours. I have a very important mission. After that, I, I think she might be open to you dropping by if you were able to survive. Seriously? Seriously. Well, I, I know she's still listening, so maybe she'll have a change of heart after hearing you basically beg her. Uh, you know, she, begging, she has a heart, so can, I'll, I'll speak with her you know, later. Spells. Oh, good. Please do. Request. Uh, well, God, I, I guess it takes some disaster like this to, to know who your friends really are. You know, Rick was a little paranoid at first, too, of others, but he knew there was strength in numbers. How long do you think he and his kid would have lasted if they stayed on their own? This is Lucille. And she is awesome. Look, like I said, I'll run it by Rachel later. Whatever. I need to close this show right now. But let me say, I am very, very disappointed in you and how you value our friendship. Again, I'm sorry, Spud. Yeah, What's yeah. your name, scumbag? Whatever. Okay, I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Once again, here is Lust Punch.
Spud Goodman Show is produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville, executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Production assistants Brian Martin and Trent Patello. Video director T.J. Pike. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Derek Schneider, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2017 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Thank you.